This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. What's up, what's up, everybody? Ricky Widmer here, along with the one, the only, Brandon Swanee Swanson. Hey, hey, hey. And Brandon, today is a big day for us. Two reasons. Number one, it's a dual podcast day. You guys may not know this because the podcasts are still going to come out as normal, but Brandon, we're recording two podcasts tonight, so for the next two weeks, you guys are going to see us in the same attire that you see us in for this video. First off, if you're on YouTube, hello. It is great to see your faces, Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, or Stitcher. Thank you guys for giving us a listen, but we're, we're doing two podcasts, and the reason being is next week, you and I will not be here in Chicago. We will be in Anaheim for VidCon, so we got to do some pre-recordings. But it's also a big day because we're starting our conference previews with our Power 5 conferences. And for the next two weeks, for this week and next week, we're going to be doing the ACC. So how it's going to work this week is we're going to preview through the Atlantic Division. Next week will be the Coastal, and then it'll be rinse and repeat throughout the rest of the Power 5 conferences. And Brandon, I just want to get right into it. Let's get started. We got a lot of teams to go after as there are 14 teams total in this conference seven in this side of the ACC. We're going to start off with the bottom feeder and that will be the Boston College Eagles. And the big thing for Boston College coming in this year, their defense last year, really good. Eighth in yards per game. They top are top 35 in passing yards per game. Top 10 rushing defense. Didn't let the opposing team score too many points. However, the offense couldn't do anything for them. 127 in yards per game. They only put up 20.4 per game, which is outside the top 100 scoring offenses in the league last year. And that's the big thing coming in for this year. Can the defense be as good? But for me, I want to focus in on this offense for Boston College to start. More so, the quarterback position. You guys know me. I love the quarterback position. Their guy from last year graduated and Patrick Towles. They got a little bit of a choice to make. They do do they go with the junior who's only played 12 games in Darius Wade or do they go with what seems to be the favorite guy who impressed last year in practice, redshirt freshman Anthony Brown. Brandon, let's start off. I'm going to kick it off to you for this. If you are Boston College, what are you leaning towards? A guy that impressed in practices last year who's a redshirt freshman? Or a guy who's only played 12 games, though he's a junior. Who are you going with, Brown or Webb here? Well, well, Ricky, I want to first, I don't really want to focus on that. I'll be honest with you. I, I want to first focus on the fact that this team, 2-6 and six in the conference, and 7-6 and six overall last year, and they're towards the bottom mm-hmm. of the Atlantic. You take a look at this team overall, though. You mentioned some of the numbers already. They were ninth in total defense. They are in the top 10 mm-hmm. in total defense. And they're returning a the, lot of those they're, guys. They're number two in sacks. Number two in sacks, and they're returning mm-hmm. Harold Landry, their leading mm-hmm. sacker, who had 16 and a half sacks last season. They have a lot to be excited about on the defensive side of the football. But then, as you mentioned, you go on the other side. Defense is not the problem. Not the problem. For Boston College, however, Clemson, Florida State, Louisville averaged 51 points against them last year, and that's understandable. 
I, that's understandable. I, you know, those are really good teams. Boston College, not at that level, not at that tier. But offensively, which is now where we'll focus, mm-hmm. and I, I, I will get to your point, but they were second to last. Second to last. With Rutgers dead last mm-hmm. in total offense, they were second to last in total offense. Tolls only threw the football 273 times. He completed it 138. Didn't get to 2,000 yards. Didn't even get to 15 touchdowns. His best season wasn't even when he was with Boston College. It was a couple years ago when he was a sophomore with Kentucky. Boston College needs to find it offensively. They don't have a receiver who had 500 yards. The leading receiver, Michael Walker, 33 catches, 420 yards. Mm -hmm. Also, the leading guy in touchdowns with four. That's the problem. So you need a guy who's really good at quarterback, which now that's the long way of getting back to your point and saying you want to go with the guy who's going to bring you the best product, the best outcome, whoever you think that is. I don't care if it's a guy who's just going to be starting for the first time. I don't care if it's a red shirt. I don't care. At this point for Boston College, you need to go with the guy who has the most promise for you, who is going to be able to gel the best with your receiving core, who really, there hasn't been a receiving core, okay? Mm -hmm. There has not been a guy who's had 500 yards, at least last season. But Boston College is not far off. You just get some production offensively, you can have a nine-win season. And you could start to compete a little bit in the Atlantic. Because guess what? Some of those games where they're giving up 51 points, mm-hmm. if they had anything offensively, they could maybe be in that game. Well, and I mean, you also look at the Syracuse game, the Georgia Tech game. Those are two of the losses that they had, single-score games. You get one more score on the board, one more touchdown, you're going to overtime possibly against Syracuse with a chance to win it in overtime. And if you had a touchdown against Georgia Tech, you're winning that game. Flip that. That is two more wins for your conference schedule. And the thing coming in for Boston College, I kind of threw up that question for the quarterback because to me, looking at this, I think it's more of a systematic problem for their offense because – The offense that they run is a run-heavy offense. It's going to be run first and then the pass. And that is not how we see a lot of successful teams do it in college football. And the thing I look at is, okay, if you're going to run the ball first, your running back better be damn well good. But I look at the two running backs from last year who are coming back, and John Hilleman and uh, Devon Jones, and Hilleman only had 542 yards for an average of just under three at 2.9 yards per carry, six touchdowns. That's your main running back and that, in a run first th- offense? That ain't going to get it done. What? That ain't going to get it done. What? <laughs> and then, I mean, I look at Jones, who he did a little bit better. At least he had four yards per carry, but only two touchdowns and 336. But look at how many uh, less carries he had. He, he also had, had 90 less carries. He had a ton less carries. The main problem, I would say, is that your main running back is only averaging – 2.9, and I know what Boston College fans are going to say, but Ricky Brandon, can you put the blame on them? Because it's kind of a layered system of do we blame the offensive line? That last year, very young offensive line, they're returning three starters. And to me, 
that's where the core of this offense needs to go. They, if that offensive line can be stout, if those three starters coming back can firm up that line, they need to do something for the running game because if you're going to run a run-first offense, you got to be able to, A, run the ball. You better have a 1,000-yard rusher. That's the way I look at it, and you better have a guy who's got 10 to 15 touchdowns as a running back at the end of the year. If you don't have that, why are you running a run-first offense? That's just how I see it. The, there's no one position mm-hmm. that you can pinpoint and put the blame on. You can't say, oh, the quarterback, that's why. Oh, the running back, that's why. Oh, the receivers, that's why. The offensive line, that's why. They collectively struggled. Mm-hmm. All of them. There's and I not, feel bad for the defense because the, 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 they outshined everything. And, 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 it's, and it's sad because people will look at Boston College and go, man, that whole team is mm-hmm. crap. That whole team is not crap. That whole team is is very average because you have one side that's very good, one side that's very, very, very mm-hmm. underperforming, and it averages out to be average. Uh, you take that defense, and they're very good. They're stout. You take that offense, there's just not a whole lot working there. And I think that they need to be able to fix up the offensive line Find some more holes for the running backs, but they also, like you said, cannot be a run first offense that their leading rusher carries the ball almost 200 times Mm -hmm. and he's nowhere near a thousand yards. And that's why part of the reason this is going back to the first question that I asked, because I know a lot of people are probably sitting there going, but guys, who's it supposed to be, Anthony Brown or or Wade, like Ricky asked, I'm going with Brown. And the reason being is if you want to run a run-first offense, let's go with the dual-threat quarterback. Let's go with the guy who isn't just going to get it done with his arms, get it done with his legs also. But more importantly to me, and this will kind of be the thing that I look at from a greater kind of span for Boston College, is I'm going to ask you this, Brandon, for their head coach, Steve Adazio, is this the make-or-break year for him? Because he was on the hot seat when the team dropped to 4-6 and six last year and they just got blown out by Louisville and Florida State, who are good teams, but you got outscored by a combined score of 97-14. to 14. Then they win some games late, they get bowl eligible, and he keeps his job. They have a new athletic director also coming in at Boston College. Is this a make-or-break season for Adazio where it's like, hey, you know what, if we don't see strides out of this offense, I don't care if you make a bowl game, you're done at the end of the year. Is that going to be the case when it comes to the new AD and Adazio this year? Because we all know the new AD is going to have his own assessment for this football program. I think whenever you have a new athletic director coming in, it's always interesting because it's like bringing in a new general manager. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times a new general manager wants to go with a new head coach. And even if they don't go with a new head coach in the first year, most likely if that that head coach that was there previously that uh, predated the general manager and they don't perform well, Mm -hmm. they're gone after that that one year underneath the new GM. So I I think that that's kind of what we'll see here. New athletic director, same head coach. If he does underachieve, if that offense doesn't get any better um, in the defense, let's say even you know regresses, 
then I don't think that he's going to stick around there. But if there is progress made, I think that there would be no reason to get rid of him because then that shows, okay, there's hope. He's able to turn this around. We're starting to do a little bit better. And I think that that's ultimately what could happen there. Mm-hmm. But if there really is no movement uh, in the in the positive direction, the right direction, why keep a guy around? I think that you have that... Uh, I think you have that kind of cushion, uh, just because we have to see what you get, what you what you what you've got. What do you bring mm-hmm. to the table? And if you don't bring anything to the table or not enough, that's easily seen. And if you do, and there's more there to be had, I think that as well is easy to be seen. And it's just all about the assessment that that athletic director brings and kind of what that athletic director is looking for, because just how a head coach wants to be a more spread offense or a run first offense, things like that, an athletic director or a general manager wants to be the same type of thing. Mm -hmm. And they're looking for a certain thing. So if they're going to say that they're going to be a run first offense and you have you know, a thousand yards combined between mm-hmm. everyone who ran the football, uh, you're failing. Uh, but I, I think that if they're able to turn that around, there are some high hopes then on the horizon for the Boston College Eagles. Well, and not just that. I mean, if you're going to be a run first offense, you cannot rank 97th in college football with rushing yards per game at a hun- just under. 150 yards per game. They weren't even averaging 150 for the season last year. And I mean, I look at the schedule, which to me, I, I'll i be honest, looking at it early on, if I'm being generous, I've got four four games where it's like, I'll give you a win. Central Michigan, Wake Forest, only because they're going to be a really young team this year. We're going to get to them in this side of the podcast with the Atlantic side. And then... I mean, maybe NC State and UConn, but I mean, besides that, it's really tough sledding. You're not going to beat Clemson. You're not going to beat Louisville. You're not going to beat Florida State. Syracuse is on the road this year. They beat you. I know it was only a one-score game, but their offense, we're going to talk about there. Their offense is really good there for Syracuse, so that would mainly be an offensive-defensive matchup there. But, yeah, UConn-NC State, Central Michigan and Wake Forest. Notre Dame, although I am not high on Brian Kelly and the Fighting Irish, I don't think Boston College poses a threat to them. But the thing that will be important for Boston College this year is I might be looking in and just completely doubting them. But what if they're able to catch a game or two? Because the one thing I looked at today is Paul Feinbaum, who on this show has been called Paul Finnebaum depending on how you want to look at his last name. Tomato, tomato. He put that the October 27th game between Boston College and Florida State at BC could be a potential trap game for the Seminoles. Well, let me tell you, is that Boston College, again, I mentioned it earlier, mm-hmm. they were 7-6 and six last year overall. They were 2-6 and six in the conference. Now, let's take a look. Let's see. NC State also, they were not great last year. Wake Forest, not great last year. And Syracuse. Boston College, let's say they beat two of those teams instead of, you know, losing, mm-hmm. you know, and then they're not looking so bad. They take you take two, put two more wins on, take away two of the losses. And guess what? You're nine and four. It's a winning season. If you're Boston College, you haven't seen nine and four for quite some time. You'll take it. You'll take it. And you'll, you'll, take you'll it run and you'll, you'll as run. fast as you can. Just like your offense is supposed to do. You'll <laughs> run. 
<laughs> but but I think that oh you know overall honestly Boston mm-hmm. College they're they're close that defense keeps well, them in games that offense gets you know let's say five ticks better which mm-hmm. they really could I I think that if you have any any of a pa- any bit of a passing game another reason why the running running game could have struggled mm-hmm. you know you 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 start out with the pass to set up the run right I mean that's what a lot mm-hmm. of people say. You had no pass to set up squat diddly. You had no whatever there was to nothing. set up whatever There either. was nothing. So Run I think couldn't that set up the pass. Pass couldn't set up the run. You make strides in the passing mm-hmm. game, you'll make strides in the running game. I think that, that they, they go hand in hand to me, but I also think that they are very close. Not to being great, mm-hmm. not to winning the conference, to but they're very close to being somewhat good. competitive mm-hmm. within the conference. Well, and the thing that, and this is what I'll kind of the last point before we move on into Syracuse, and I'm going to quote this from the Athlon Sports um, preview for Boston College coming in. They say, is that BC's ceiling under Adazio? Just basically where they're at now. Is it the ceiling under Adazio? It could be. As experienced as the Eagles are this season, don't expect them to break that barrier just yet, the barrier that you're talking about, to getting into that competitiveness where it's Clemson, Florida State, Louisville, and then that first team under them where it's like, here's where the second tier starts, is Boston College. And I think if that's the thing this year, if the new AD and Martin uh, Jarman says, hey, you know what, this is our ceiling, then that means Adazio could be on the outs at the end of the season unless it's like a ridiculously good winning season, like a nine-win season for Boston College, but before we move on to the Syracuse, before I kick it over to them to let us know what they think down below, any last thoughts on Boston College? I just say I'd love to see them make those strides because, again, they they've been just kind of in the cellar mm-hmm. for for quite a long time. And uh, when, when I say a long time, a couple of years, you know, mm-hmm. that, that does seem like a long time. But um, as far as back as I can remember, really, they have not been good in college football. But uh, they're close. They're close. I'd like to see it happen for them. Well, and this is where I turn it on to you guys. Let us know down below what you guys think. What's Boston College going to do this year? What are you guys looking forward to BC? Let us know down below in the comments section. But, Brandon, let's move on to a team that might be the exact opposite number-wise than Boston College, where the defense was got-awful. And the offense was pretty good, middle of the pack. Better than the offense we had just talked about with the Boston College Eagles, and that's the Syracuse Orange. And if you're on YouTube, welcome into Syracuse fans from around the world. This is your preview for this year for our ACC Atlantic podcast. And Brandon, with this one, I want to start with the schedule, something we usually don't do because I was looking at Syracuse's schedule for this year. Check out these games. At LSU, at Miami, at Florida State, at Louisville, Oh, wait, you got to play Clemson? Oh, we'll give you that one at home. This, to me, looking at these schedules that we've I've looked at coming in for this podcast, this could be the toughest schedule of an ACC team. Could be the toughest one. Not only do you have to play the top three dogs in Louisville, Florida State, and Clemson, two are on the road. You got to play Miami, which is going to be improved this year, on the road. And then you got to go ahead and play LSU on the road. This could be a death sentence. I don't know if this team can get past this schedule. 
I'll tell you what, I don't think I'd want to play them. <laughs> I don't think I'd want to play those those games on the road at all mm-hmm. of those different uh, locations. But here's the thing. Do they have a healthy quarterback? That's a big and question. if they do, they might be okay. Mm-hmm. Eric Dungy, uh, a pretty good season last year. You take a look at his numbers, and he had close to 2,700 total yards through the air and then 15 touchdowns through the air, seven interceptions. He added another six touchdowns on the ground with nearly 300 yards. I think that this guy, if he stays healthy, could do some really good things for Syracuse. But that's the big question. Is is he going to stay healthy? Now, his dad said he's feeling good. His dad said he's healthy. And he has been healthy for spring practice mm-hmm. and for the spring game and everything like that. And that's a great sign. But the big question is going to be how long can he stay healthy for? Is it a full season? Does he have a full season in him? And if he does, Syracuse is definitely going to jump from the bottom of the Atlantic to the middle of the Atlantic. I can guarantee you that if he stays healthy, they end up in the middle of the Atlantic Conference. And the reason being is because he had twenty-seven, almost 2,700 yards in the 15 mm-hmm. scores. He didn't even play the last four games. They lost every of single them. one of mm-hmm. those games. And they weren't even, well, I mean, Pittsburgh, I guess 76 to 61, you can say is close, but really none of them were close. I mean, you give them two more wins, mm-hmm. they're at six. They, I mean, they still would have been at the bottom, mm-hmm. but I think that if he's healthy through the entire year, they could see themselves make a bit of a jump. But here's one problem. Mm-hmm. Here's one problem that I'm seeing is they're losing. Well, they lost yeah. their number one receiver. Mm-hmm. They lost him to the NFL, Amba Eratawo. And they've got Irvin Phillips, who I think is going to now fill in as that number one receiver, who last year, 90 catches, 822 yards, six touchdowns. But that's the big thing. You lose a big guy. You've got another guy that steps in. But the health of the quarterback is the number one. And, Ricky, you went through that schedule, that road schedule. That is daunting. That is daunting. If you can win half of those games, you've won. Well, and that's the thing. I don't think that they'll win. I'll be honest. If they lose every single one of those games, the LSU, Miami, Louisville, Florida State, and Clemson, wouldn't be surprised. Would not be surprised. I mean, you look at Clemson and Louisville, two games that Dungy did play for. We had Clemson, wasn't really that close. And then the Louisville game, yeah, Louisville ran you out of your stadium and Lamar Action Jackson had his Heisman moment where he hurtled the defender. Basically won the Heisman week two of the season in my mind. Just I he, took that he, picture. I think he won the Heisman for you yeah, about preseason week two. Not not preseason, but regular season week two, <laughs> he won the Heisman for me. That, that, to me, best athlete, best athletic moment. Clemson, on the other hand, that was the game he got hurt. 54 to nothing. Real close game. Real close game. Florida State, of course, he didn't play in that one. We really can't tell you what he would have done, but that game wasn't close also. So, Coming into this year, I'm not going to give you those three games. I'm not going to say, well, Syracuse is going to get the upset. Now, Miami, they're an interesting one because in year two of Coach Rick, how are they going to do? I still like them over Syracuse. And then LSU with Ed Orgeron, 
year number two. Yeah, they don't have Leonard Fournette, but that is a good LSU team. And I just don't think that right now I can't give Syracuse any of those wins, which kind of makes it hard because I look at what they are doing. And last year for Coach Babers, it was a pretty solid year for year one of a coach. And you've looked at every other job he's been with. Eastern Illinois, five more wins that second season. Bowling Green, two more years that next season. Two more wins. Yeah, two more wins. I look at this schedule and I say, yeah, you achieved that 4-8 and eight mark, but with these five games, it's going to be hard to get to that six-win mark. And the thing that they need to do, they need to do, is game number one, game number two, game number three, you are very lucky that it is Central Connecticut State, who who, who cares, um, mid-Tennessee and Central Michigan because those are and three Tennessee, games. We're not talking basketball. Yeah, here. we're not talking basketball. Those are three games that you should be able to win. Get that offense going. Hopefully, hit your stride for Week Four so that you can maybe give LSU a game and not have it be a blowout in Week Four. But if you can win those three, then all you have to do is Boston between Boston College, Wake Forest, Pitt, and NC State. You just gotta win three of four of those games, which might be a feat as well. However, some of those games, and that pick game being the example, Dunchy didn't play for, so we don't know what will happen if he actually plays this year when Pitt comes to town. You know, I think that uh, we're, we're talking a lot about offense here and what they're going to be able to mm-hmm. do, but I think we also have to take a look at defense, and they are, <sighs> oh, I mean, they're not dead last, but they are about not seven good. spots off of being dead last. Not good. And that's, that's the issue. I mean, mm-hmm. I think we're focusing on, right, so far we focused on the strong point of mm-hmm. Syracuse's game, but we haven't talked about their defense. The thing and defensively. Their defense, but, but take a look at these points. Take a look at those points being mm-hmm. scored. You know, 51-0, 54-0. They're not, they're obviously, they're not scoring points, which doesn't help. You're not going to win any game, but that many points giving up, mm-hmm. not good. And that's what I was going to say. I mean, when you're ranked 120th in college football giving up, 38-5, to five, that defense couldn't stop a nosebleed last year. And if this offense is going to have any chance to win games, if Eric Dungey is going to have any chance to win games, this defense has to be better. Oh, he needs the defense behind it him. has to be better. And, I mean, with Syracuse, I mean, on the other hand, you look at some of the games, I'm just going to look in the Atlantic. You've got two of them in Clemson and Louisville. Those are high-flying offenses. So... Just to say, oh, yeah, we want some improvement from the defense, that might not even be enough this year for them. Just saying, oh, we want a little bit of an improved defense might not be enough. That's why those three Atlantic opponents of Clemson, Florida State, and Louisville, I'm sorry, Orange fans, I'm just throwing those out the window. And I am focusing on NC State. I'm focusing on Pitt. I'm focusing on Wake Forest. Wake Forest is a team that I think that they can get the win over because I know we're going to talk about them later, but that's a very young and unexperienced team. As long as no one's giving their plays away. That you can jump on. Yeah, exactly. No one's giving their plays away. But if you can jump on them, especially with how late that is in the season, that's when you have the dungy kind of injury question mark. But another player that I want to mention offensively that could help out the defense is 
the new running back that they have coming in out of high school, Markenzie Pierce. This is a kid that had 2,500 yards in high school, 31 touchdowns in high school, and they're they're kind of thinking that if he shows what he's supposed to this offseason, he can be the number two running back. And maybe this offense with Dungy, maybe start expanding those drives a little bit so the defense ain't on the field. The less your defense is on the field, the less they have to do. So that could be one kind of way you look at it from Syracuse because I don't know if this defense can make enough strides to say, yeah, you know what, we're going to compete with the likes of Clemson, Louisville, and Florida State this year. You know, I, I laugh a little bit when you're talking about the running back, that, that he'd be the number two. I mean, you take a look at what they did last mm-hmm. year. Again, they're very similar to Boston College, and their running game is they do a lot of running, they go nowhere. I mean, they're, they're, they're leading running back. They're leading mm-hmm. rusher, Dante Strickland. Again, well, I mean, again, the O line wasn't healthy last year either. I, you know, and, <laughs> I, and I totally get that, but I guess it's just the fact that, you know, how many times did I know? I know, I know. This is not nowhere near the same thing. But mm-hmm. how many times has in the NFL a offensive line struggled? For a good running back. And the running back, and the running back still own. goes on his own. You know, Adrian Peterson, That's what's what I was it? Say. You know, offensive line, they're no, you know, stud line, mm-hmm. but you got a stud running back. Yeah. And he's able to find the holes, make his own plays. And that's that's what you want to see from a running back in college, because then that's going to help get them to a good spot in the NFL. But I still think that, you know, can they improve? Of course they can. But when you say you want to, you could see this guy coming in being the number two. Mm-hmm. Well, right now he could have a chance to be the number one if he shows off some really good talent. Well, and another thing that I'm looking at is like the run game. Of course, you need who you got to step up, and you need the new faces to come in. But I mean, defensively, we talked injury for Dungy. Well, they had an injury on the defensive side as well. Is their number one cornerback in Antoine Cordy? He was injured week two. He was injured week two, and he was out the rest of the season. He's supposed to come back healthy from that forearm injury, and he's also joined by three new faces. And the three new faces that um, they mention are graduate transfer cornerbacks from Notre Dame in uh, Butler and then Jordan Martin from Toledo, as well as a junior college safety in um, McKetty Williams. And these are three guys, if— they can add something to this team defensively, that secondary might need to carry this defense. Because like we talked about Boston College was the team we talked about first. They had a strong front seven. This team might have to say, you know what, our secondary is where we're going to make our bread and butter on this defense, and we're just not going to let anyone throw over us. And if those two graduate transfers and the junior college transfers can just kind of cooperate, not cooperate, that's not the word I'm looking for, the word is contribute to this team, then those four of NC State, Pitt, Wake Forest, and um, the last one that I'm blanking on, the lesser ones of that team, Boston College, then there's a better chance for that team to go 3-1 and one in those games, possibly get to that six-win margin if they win those first three. got to avoid upset, though, against the cupcakes to start your season. Completely agree. 
Any last thoughts on Syracuse before we move on? Anything we did not touch when it comes to the Syracuse Orange? I think we got it. Well, this is where we turn it on to you guys. Let us know down below what you guys think about the Syracuse Orange coming into this season. Let us know down below in the comment section. But, Brandon, now it is time to move over into the Wake Forest Demon Deacons and their team I've already mentioned. I want to say twice so far. I think I mentioned them in both the Boston College. Yeah, you're and really excited about the these guys. Syracuse um, previews. And that's because this team and the thing I want to start off with them is what's unique about the Demon Deacons is how young they are. How young they were last year, how young they are this year. Where last year they only had seven seniors play more than a hundred plays last year. And every, and this is from Athlon Sports, every player who scored is back. This team has only nine scholarship seniors on its squad. Nine scholarship seniors. This, to me, is going to be a Wake Forest team where, I'm going to say it, could be a lot of mistakes, a lot of uh, mental mistakes from this Wake Forest team just because of how young and inexperienced they are. Oh, and that's not to say that they also have a difficult schedule, as for all the all the ACC teams this low. I want to ask you, Brandon, when you hear something like that, where a team only has nine scholarship seniors, what do you think when you see a team as young as the Demon Deacons? Well, I think that there's obviously always a lot of room to grow then, and you'd like to see them be able to grow together because, you know, they start out young, and uh, you give them a year, you give them mm-hmm. two years, they could be a really good squad by that uh, second, third year and then just take that and run with it. Um, But also at the same time, uh, that's the positive side, but the the negative side is the fact that you've got guys still trying to develop. You've got guys still trying to work out kinks. Uh, You're not always gelling. Uh, There isn't always the chemistry. There there aren't always the wins and you know that's the biggest thing and i think that uh that's one of the things that we are seeing from wake forest especially since uh, you take a look at what they were last year in offense they only scored 29 total offensive touchdowns uh that's not going to win you a whole lot of games mm-hmm. and they they didn't uh they did not win a whole lot of games they only won seven games last year three within the conference uh room for improvement for sure and I think that, uh, you know, overall, I think overall you take a look at the fact that where can this team be? Where can this team go? And if you're the head coach and you see that there's some strong potential there, mm-hmm. that gets you excited. Uh, it remains to be seen, though, for me right now. Wait, you're, you seem to be very excited this about this team. Hold on. You seem to be very excited about this team. I'm not as excited about this team. I'm excited because whenever you have a youthful team, I'm not excited because there's probably not going to be a lot of wins on the board, but this is a team then how this are you ex- year. Then how are you excited? Well, how I, are you excited? If they're like, not winning, how are you excited? I like Cubs, those teams. If the Cubs were not going to win, would you still be excited? I, I would compare it more to the Toronto Maple Leafs. He wouldn't. He would not be excited. This is going to be a young team, and if I'm a fan of Wake Forest, I'm looking for the fun of watching a team grow. And another thing that kind of throws a wrench into this whole situation, not only are they young, only have nine scholarship seniors. Oh, that's right. They also have four new assistants on this coaching staff. So 
really they got a lot to work with, which means their margin for error is little, little bit tiny. Can, can I tell you something Not that's really a lot of margin for that error? Can I tell you something that's really funny about that? Go is ahead. The fact that that almost reminds me of a team that is actually in a much better position than they are, mm-hmm. but still kind of interesting. And that is what team that uh, we've been talking about this quarterback for a very long time in the Pac-12, and that's UCLA. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like the same (laughs) spot because you've got these new Mm -hmm. coaches. They're obviously in a better spot than Wake Forest is. They're a stronger team. They've got better talent, They've got better overall talent, Mm -hmm. but there's still those question marks of these new coaches coming in, having to work with these – the the guys having to work having to work with these new coaches injuries left and right what's well, going to happen and it's inter- it just the only reason why they they just have better talent Wake Forest would be in mm-hmm. the same spot if they had the better talent and and that's just recruiting issue and I mean you talk about injuries the whole thing for me I mean in, in like when you're thinking of the young team like I said small margin of error and injuries can wreak havoc on a team that's the situation of Wake Forest. And for me, the most important group of guys for this team is going to be the offensive line. And I know I'm going to sound like a broken record. We talked about Boston College. Oh, they couldn't do this. They couldn't do that. Well, the O-line wasn't healthy. Oh, Syracuse, this guy got injured. They couldn't do this. They couldn't do that. Well, the O-line wasn't healthy. Wake Forest is even worse in my mind. And you might be thinking about Ricky. They weren't the first preview that you guys did this podcast, yeah, because they magically won a few more games, but their offensive line was so bad that, number one, they struggled to keep a quarterback healthy as both John Walford and Kendall Hilton both injured. And then you also had the last three seasons. I asked you this before the podcast, Brandon, so I'm not surprising you with this. At least how many sacks have they had the last three seasons? Do you remember? Do you remember the number I told you before the podcast? You said 39. At least 39 sacks in the last three seasons. That's no bueno. You're not going to win games when your quarterback is on his back. Just ask Just ask Jay Cutler how that goes. Because hmm. he's been on his back the entire time he was here in Chicago looking up at those lights. That's going to be, the, to me, the most important unit for this team. Offensive, defensive, across the board, is that offensive line. Because if they cannot protect, right now it looks like Kendall Hilton or Hinton is going to be the starter or looks to be the starter for Wake Forest in Game 1. If they can't protect him, can't A, keep him upright, or B, keep him healthy, you can just put this season up as a scratch because they might be the bottom team, the bottom feeder in the Atlantic, if the offensive line can't get going and can't be a cohesive unit this season. I think that the one thing about this team that is a little bit different than what we've seen in the last two teams that we've talked Mm -hmm. about is the fact that, yeah, this team has, uh, they they don't have that one guy that's got a lot of rushing yards, but they've got multiple guys that they use that get them... The same amount. Yeah. I mean, we, we're, we're mm-hmm. talking about, you know, well over 1,500 yards mm-hmm. here. And I think that together, that's pretty solid. Mm-hmm. And uh, they can score a couple of touchdowns on the ground as well. So I think they're pretty set there. Again, receiving nothing. 
No production. Nothing at all. And you look at some of these really good teams. You look at a Florida State. You look at a specifically Clemson with what they were with Mike Williams. I mean, I think that you also have to understand that they have better quarterbacks and their offensive lines help them to stay upright. Mm-hmm. But that's why these teams are where they are. That's why a Clemson is at the top. That's why a Wake Forest is near the bottom. And maybe we should be focusing a little bit. You know, maybe it's not a bad thing that you're being a broken record. Maybe we should Mm -hmm. be focusing a little bit more on the offensive line. Yeah. And I think that that may maybe not only we should be, but maybe their uh, their coaches should Mm -hmm. be as well. And that be the number one recruiting point for them to be going after that offensive line. And again, it's not all the offensive line's fault for such a a poor offensive turnout and offensive production, but that is a good part of it. And even even these running backs have been mm -hmm. able to – it looks like they've been able to make some plays for themselves, but quarterbacking, it's just not there. Well, and that's the thing that we get to. I'm going to get to it here. You mentioned it in the Syracuse preview, but I'm going to mention it here. You mentioned how, well, you know, a good running back would be able to – Make the holes. You mentioned Adrian Peterson in the NFL. When you don't have a good line, they kind of do it themselves. That's the tricky thing for these teams that we've talked about so far. And we're going to get to, I want to say one more before we get to the upper echelon of this um, Atlantic division. But when you are at this point where your players aren't as talented as the Alabamas, the Florida States, the Clemsons, the Louisvilles, you're not going to have that same kind of like, well, our O-line's not great, but we can counteract it because we have player X at the running back position or player X at the quarterback position that can make up for that deficiency. They don't have that. And because they don't have that top-tier guy that, I'm not trying to say that these teams don't have talent on their team, but when you don't have that top-tier guy You need the foundation. It's like a house. You need the foundation to be rock solid or else everything's going to start crumbling down. And that's what I kind of feel like we see here. But it it wasn't all bad for Wake Forest last season. Like you look over at the defensive side of the ball. This is a team that went from worst in the country in creating turnovers to a top 10 team in getting fumbles and getting interceptions. And it was kind of the main reason why I know we rag on um, Notre Dame and Brian Kelly, but there's a that's a main reason why their coordinator from last year, Mike Elko, got hired by Notre Dame because of what he was able to do with this unit. However, are we going to get that same production from the defensive side and creating turnovers with new coordinator in, and I hope I say this name right, Jay Sauvel coming over from Minnesota, and he's going to be without the four of last year's top six tacklers. So your top four of your top six tacklers are gone. You're coming into a defense that you're like, wow, this team was top ten in creating turnovers. Is this defense going to take a step back this year with a new coordinator and because of players they lost? Yeah, but But then you have to also take a look at 
what Minnesota was able to mm-hmm. do last year too is that they they had a pretty solid team. Not saying they didn't. And I, I think that uh, you know you are always working with some different talent and everything like that. But I do mm-hmm. think part of that is the coaching. And if you're a good coach, you're a good coach. You know, it really it really doesn't. It's it's kind of like Tom Brady. <laughs> okay. If you're a good quarterback, you're a good quarterback. You're going to make the other people around you good. Mm-hmm. If you're a good coach, you're going to help make well, the guys like, look, better. Look at his coach, Bill Belichick. You put Bill Belichick on most teams in the NFL, he can get something out of those players. Exactly, and that's the point I'm trying to make is that the good ones mm-hmm. will be good with no matter who you give them. Yeah. And I, I, I think that you know you lose those starters, that means it's like next man up. Okay, who's ready to take that role mm-hmm. on now? Who's ready to take that role on? Do the bring the exact same production, if not better production. I I, I think that um I you know, Wake Forest, they're not a bad uh defensive team. They weren't bad defensively last year. They do lose lose those guys, but I think at the same time, if you're anywhere near what you were defensively last year, mm-hmm. you're gonna be okay on that side of the football. But for this team, it's the offense and, of course, the offensive line. And the the quarterback uh, question, again, too, uh, Wolford, back this year, injured, st- you know, obviously last year and through this offseason I mean, trying, to, could get, make a trying case to get for, back. You can make a case for either quarterback, either Hinton or Wolford, and which one are you going to go with? You know, that's true. I, that That's true. I think that that's... The question, mm-hmm. and then who's going to be the most competitive? Who's going to give you the best chance to win? Because you won one game mm-hmm. against the Atlantic Conference last year. You won one game. The five that you lost, you lost by 17 points per game on average. And that's not going to do you a whole lot of good. So who's going to give you the best chance to win? That's quarterback I'm going with. The receiving core has got to do something. Because they got nothing right now. I mean, no production there. Mm-hmm. None. And I, I, I think, end of the day, Wake Forest, this is probably where I see them again this year. This is about the same. I could see a similar start to the season this year that Wake Forest had last year. Last year they start off 4-0 and then two wins the rest of the season. I could see 3-1 and one to start the year. I'll give them everyone, everyone except Boston College. I'll give you a win. Boston College, I kind of want to say that they'll get the upset. I mean, I'm saying upset because Boston College finished below you guys last year. But after those top four games, it's going to be hard to get wins because Florida State, Clemson, Georgia Tech, Louisville, Notre Dame, I don't think you beat any of those teams. And then between Syracuse, NC State, and Duke, you got to win two of those games. To become bowl eligible. Or no, I'm sorry, I gave you three. So you gotta win all three of those games to become bowl eligible. I don't think Wake Forest makes a bowl this season, looking at their schedule. And the two the last point that I'll make is the two units that are going to be if I had to give one offense, one defense, they're the same in theory. It's the defensive front, the line, and the line. The O line and the D line have to be the anchors. For their side of the ball. The O-line, like we said, protect your guys. Don't let them get injured. Don't let them sack the quarterback. When the quarterback's on his back, he can't do any good things for you. If your guys, your running backs are getting tackled in the backfield, they can't do any good things for you. And for the 
defense, because the front line is the deepest, they go six players deep, they got to be the ones to anchor down this defense in a defense that may be going through some uh, some shifts with the new defensive coordinator coming in from Minnesota. But before we move on, Brandon, any last thoughts you want to mention about the Demon Deacons? I am good. And this is where you guys come in. Let us know down below what you guys think about Wake Forest coming into this season. Let us know down below in the comment section. But, Brandon, it's time to continue on in our preview. We're almost there. We got four teams left. This We're going into the NC State Wolfpack, North Carolina State. And with this one I kind of want to start off with kind of two points into one. Last season was a lot of almosts for the NC State Wolfpack. They almost beat National Championship Clemson. They almost beat Perennial Power Florida State. They also had two heartbreakers, and four of the last six games were all losses of a touchdown or less. Also, this is a team that I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, Brandon, 0-10 against FBS top 25 teams. Is this finally the year that, A, the Wolfpack get a win against a top 25 team, and B, can they turn these almost, these last four of six losses by a touchdown or less, do they flip those into wins this year? Is this the year where they turn everything around? And, Ricky, they're, they're 0-10 against those, those mm-hmm. uh, ranked FBS teams in the last four years. And I think that this is the year that they certainly get a win against one of those teams. And I don't want to be that guy, but I'll be that guy. And I'll tell you that I think I know who it's going to be against. And they were really close last year. They're going to get them this year. No, Clemson. Ooh. I didn't think you were going to say Clemson. There's no no Deshaun Watson. That's what I was going to say. There's no Deshaun Deshaun? Watson there anymore. We're we're not as settled on the the Clemson quarterback as we are Uh with other quarterbacks in this Atlantic Conference or in the ACC Mm -hmm. overall. Again, they were close with Clemson last year, and they had Deshaun Watson. This year, I think they can get him. And I think that because of that, this team is... They're they're going up. They are going up. We Mm -hmm. can see that. They've got their quarterback returning this year. And I I, I think that... uh, you look at their offense. They've got a running back who has had over a thousand yards. They've got a number of different receivers. They don't have that seems to be number one standout receiver, but they've got some guys there. And I, I think that uh, you know Ryan Finley is a guy who can lead this team, lead this team effectively, and be the guy to be able to take them to the next level. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, the the best way to describe Finley last season was he was steady. But he was nothing spectacular. I mean, he did complete over 60% of his passes. You want to see that. You want to see quarterbacks around that 60% completion mark, over 3,000 yards. The thing I like, though, 18 touchdowns mm-hmm. to only eight interceptions. Yeah. You got to, I mean, it might sound like, duh, thank you, Captain Obvious, but you got to have more touchdowns than you have interceptions. And the closer that That's interception number can be to zero, the better. I think it's all going to ride or die on him. And the reason being is he's the leader of this team. If he can go out there and not just, I'm not saying like, oh, increase your numbers, stay the same. Keep those numbers similar. 
However, maybe a few more touchdowns and a little bit less interceptions and lead this team. That's where it's going to come into it because, I mean, looking at their schedule for this upcoming year, they've got some big games. I mean, South Carolina on a neutral location to start the year on September 2nd. You're going to play Florida State on the road. You get Clemson at home, Louisville at home. However, good thing is you don't have to play the coastal number one from last year in Virginia Tech. You get to play North Carolina, but that's at the end of the season. Of course, you're going to play North Carolina. It's one of your biggest rivals. But I think what they can do is flip some of these games from last year. I'm very very confident in this Wolfpack team because, I mean, you look at some of the losses that they had a year ago. Miami, they don't see Miami this year. I mean, you look at, I mean, they beat the... Tar Heels from North Carolina, but Miami, you're not looking at them this year to go up against them. Florida State, you're going to play them again. Louisville, of course, you're going to play them. Of course, you're going to play Clemson. And then you do have Boston College on your schedule as well. I think with that, where Louisville and Florida State, Florida State will be interesting. I mean, depending on what team. I think Louisville's the only one of the top three that for sure beats you. I think Louisville this year coming back with their quarterback and with how good they were last year, I don't think NC State beats them. Notre Dame will be interesting because it'll be on the road this year, and let's hope it's not played in a tsunami so that we actually get a, a good fo- sense. Of, we, we get a football yeah. game and not a 10-3 uh, to three, let's play in the mud kind of a game. Um, but those games down the stretch, taking away Miami out of your schedule – taking away some of those losses that you had and in and inserting teams like at Wake Forest. We talked about how young that team is. Finley will demolish that team, especially that team that I don't know if they're going to create as many turnovers as they did a year ago. And Syracuse, if their defense can't get up to snuff, it don't matter. Finley will put a ton of points on you no matter what that Syracuse offense does. So one thing to note here for mm-hmm. Syracuse is for Syracuse, excuse me, for NC, NC State, State is the fact that possibly the biggest guy on offense for them is gone. They're running back. Mm-hmm. And uh, Matthew Days, who had over 1,100 yards last year and 10 scores, he's out of there. He's graduated. He's out. And you now have to take a look and see who's going to be the guy that leads it. And is it Reggie Gillespie? And if it's him, you know, he's not going to be what days was. Mm-hmm. And if it's not Gillespie, then it's going to be a committee of a number of different guys. They've got a veteran offensive line. This is the first team that we've talked about <laughs> that, tonight has a line. that has an offensive yeah. line. Uh-huh. That's a veteran offensive line. That's good. And to not get 2,500 yards this year on the ground will probably be, I'd say, a disappointment if they can't do that. Mm-hmm. And also that means that you have to look for somebody to hopefully then be able to step up in the receiving game as well. And one of those guys who I think is going to be that number one go-to guy is going to be Jalen Samuels. And this is a guy who can go out of the backfield. This is a guy who can uh, you know, run some routes. 
he's going to be the number one player on this team, I think, mm-hmm. either in front of or behind Finley. 31 touchdowns in 39 career games. Impressive. Almost a touchdown a game. Almost. So I think that you get this guy going, you get him kick-started early, mm-hmm. this offense will be able to do some good things, and that's how I think that this team is going to be able to to really take the next step and be that sleeper, that dark horse that some people mm-hmm. are calling for. Their defense, they don't have the outstanding best guys. But they've got but a phenomenal solid. defensive line. But they're solid. I, I, I think that overall defensively, uh, they are not the best in the country. I'd say they're one of the, they're a, one of the best Alab- defensive Alab- line because Alabama is mm-hmm. there. But overall, I would say that they are, you know, going to be a a strong defense. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to the defense, I've mentioned it a little bit there. Could you tell them the defensive line is going to be key for them? Like they are returning four starters to this line, and one of them being Bradley Chubb, the All ACC pick who had twenty one and a half tackles for loss last season on top of his ten and a half sacks. This defense is going to be anchored, I want to say, by that defensive line. And if they can get after the quarterbacks of Clemson, Lamar Action Jackson, and Florida State, and if they can get after Francois, then this NC State team might be able to knock off one of them. They might be able to knock off the Clemson Tigers if they can cause havoc for whatever quarterback Clemson is going to put behind center in the absence of Deshaun Watson because he is now a Houston Texan. But the one guy I kind of want to mention just a little bit before you make the point you were going to make is when you mentioned the running back, a key guy to look for will be Junior um, Nyhelm Hines. First name, couldn't say right. Last name, Hines. Got that one. It's easy. He's the guy that you're going to look at because – He's played receiver the past two years, but because they lose their main running back from last year in days, this is a guy who's going to be coming back and right now is slotted as running back number two on the depth chart. The reason when I was talking earlier was and saying that mm-hmm. their defense, uh, you know, wasn't the best in the country or you know even one of the best. Because you as a whole unit. Well, well you have to look yeah. at it as a whole unit, and you have to look at that front, you know. The front end of that defense, you know, the front, the front seven and mm-hmm. stuff like that. They're 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 hot. They're good, but they don't have enough playmakers in the secondary uh, to be able to say that this defense overall is a stud defense. Uh, you make more plays in the secondary, you get more interceptions. I think that you're going to start hearing a little bit more about that defensive play mm-hmm. uh, of NC State. Well, and the thing that I want to look at also is. Head coach Dave Doran, this could be like, I'm going to just read the quote from Athlon Sports. It says, the Wolfpack returned 22 seniors, half whom start from a team that finished the 2016 season with a flourish. There is a sense among Wolfpack fans that this could be Doran's best team, but it also could be his last chance if things don't go right. And that is kind of... Kind of the bring it full circle what we talked about earlier. Yeah, there's we're kind of questioning can this team flip the script from last year? Those touchdown losses that we had, the four of last six games that you lost by a touchdown or less, can you flip those? But if you don't, 
Does that mean this is Doran's last year at NC State and the Wolfpack are looking for a new coach at the end of the year? That's, I mean, this is a team where we're saying, yeah, they, they could be on the cusp of good things, but if they don't get to that, if they don't go to those good things, do they get rid of the coach and kind of restart? Get a new guy in there. Get some fresh blood at the head coaching position. Well, I think that you you take a you talk about flipping some things, mm-hmm. and let's talk about a a difference between being absolutely impressive at nine and four and very mediocre at seven and six, mm-hmm. and that led to that was because of. The kicking game, partially. Mm-hmm. Nine of 17 field goals last year, and Kyle Bombard Jr., he was 5 of 10, and they lost to Clemson because he missed three of his four field goal tries to be able to beat them. And this guy struggled mightily last year and because of that and because of some other games in there too that was the difference Mm -hmm. you know it's things like that it's not necessarily something where you go oh it's the coaching philosophy we've got to get him out of there sometimes it's just (laughs) guy had a bad season guy a couple of guys had a bad season and it was in the wrong time it was at the wrong time Mm -hmm. in the wrong game in the wrong situation and the success, what success would look like for NC State this year would be nine wins. And if they don't have that, I don't think you can call it a successful season. I see eight wins. Just looking down the schedule, I see eight. And South Carolina fans are not going to like me. I got the Gamecocks. I got the Herd. I got uh, Foreman, 3-0 and to start. I've got Syracuse, that's four. I got Pitt, that's five. I got Boston College, that's six. I've got Wake Forest, that's seven. I'm sorry, I meant seven. If you can take then two of the other games, North Carolina, Clemson, Florida State, Louisville, and win two of them, Notre Dame two, win two of those games, I think North Carolina they can win. They did it last year, and that was with a young Mitchell Trubiscuit as the starting quarterback. He's no longer there for the Tar Heels. We're going to get to him next week, but I think this team can get... There are seven games on the schedule. You do what you're supposed to do. You get a W for that game. The other games, you just got to get it for two of them, and you can get to those nine wins. And I think North Carolina could be one of them. You brought it up earlier. Clemson's going to be an interesting one. All because of the quarterback question that we have right now and we might not be as confident in Clemson this year as we were last year, although they are a phenomenally, they've got the defense and they've got one of the premier head coaches in this kind of all of college football. Before we kind of move on, because we're going to get to the Florida State, Louisville, and Clemson trio uh, coming up in a second, any last thoughts on the Wolfpack from NC State? So what I want to make a point of is you talked about, you know, Florida State, Louisville, Clemson. Mm -hmm. I think that Clemson, as I mentioned earlier in this segment, is the fact that, uh, you know, NC State could get them. And I do think that they will get them. Um, But also 
Florida that Florida State game. The Wolfpack have lost four in a row against Florida State. Almost beat them last and year. And they too. have not won in Tallahassee since 2005. They are as a baseball broadcaster would mm-hmm. say they're due. Yeah. And you would think that, you know, maybe this could be the season. You know, you know, Dalvin Cook is not there anymore. Things are a little bit different at Florida mm-hmm. State. Maybe they could get him. Well, and that's going to be the big thing. Notre Dame, too. They're, notice how they got the win last year, but I didn't give them that for sure win this year. Not only is it at Notre Dame, what is Notre Dame going to do when the conditions of that game and the playing field might be a little bit more on the side of, hey, we can actually have a football game going. So let us know, NC State fans, what you guys think about your team down below in the comment section. Let us know about anything we talked about previewing your team. And Brandon, let's move on. We're going to, now we get to the upper three, the top echelon of the Atlantic Division here in the ACC. And we're going to start with the Florida State Seminoles. And Everyone wants to talk offense. Everyone's probably expecting me to mention some question about DeAndre Francois and what he's going to do. Let's focus on the defense. Let's do something we usually don't do and focus on the defense first. And this is a team that A, gave up a lot of points last year, but B, I'm looking at that front line that they have. And the most interesting thing that has been quoted from Florida State coaches, and I'll tell you this, and this is from Athlon Sports, says FSU's coaches believe they have enough quality depth to go three deep at all four line spots and wear down opposing offenses. After hearing that, after seeing how many points this team gave up on defense, do you think that this year's Florida State defense can wear out opponents more so this year than they did last year? Well, with what you just told me, saying that they have that depth at all those positions, then I would think yes. And I would think that that's a huge improvement over what happened last year. Mm -hmm. Because let me go over just a couple of games from last year. So game number one, Ole Miss, that ended up being a great game on ESPN. They gave up 34 points in a win. Almost lost it. Yes, they did. Mm -hmm. On the road at Louisville in week three, they gave up 63 points to Lamar Jackson. 63 points. In a win on the road at USF, they gave up 35 in a win. North Carolina, they lost. They gave up 37 in the loss. They gave up 37 in the loss versus Clemson. Another close game. And the rest of the way out, they were pretty good. They won in the Capital One Orange Bowl over Michigan, but they gave up 32 points in a 33-32 win. All those games, Mm -hmm. whether win or lose, that's a lot of points. To be giving up. And if you want to be the winner of the ACC Atlantic, and then you want to be the winner of the ACC Conference, mm-hmm. you can't be giving up points like that. No, and that's it. And the, one of the big losses that they're going to have is, the. before I talk about the big loss that they have, one of the big guys that they have returning, and I say he's a big guy because I want to say... In the um, way too early, he's right now a top 10 prospect for the NFL draft is All-American safety Derwin James. He's going to be returning this season, had season-ending knee injury last September, so he's coming back. However, that off, that defensive line I mentioned, 
they are going to have to fill a huge void in defensive end Demarcus Walker, who had 16 sacks last season. Now, Josh Sweat and Brian Burns combined for 16.5, but that's two guys equaling one production of one person. So Walker on the edge is going to be huge to miss. However, you do get James back in the secondary. And like I said, he's going to be a huge piece because he is already, I know it's way too early mock drafts, but he's already getting NFL draft hype (laughs) coming into this season. So if James can play a big piece, if they can fill that void of Walker on the outside, I think they have a solid chance to be the second best team in the Atlantic. And we're going to get to the other team that I think will also be there. I am kind of on the, I'm kind of agreeing with you. I think that Clemson might take a step back this year. And I think that Florida state and Louisville, Louisville will be one of the top two teams, Florida state. It's all going to come down to, do you want to be one of the top two teams in the division? Or do you want Clemson to be that team? That's what it comes down to. I think I've got Louisville at the top and then the, the other two, Clemson and Florida State, fighting it out. And they've got a big game. They've got a big game to start the year this year. It's, it's going a huge up, game. Going up against your Crimson Tide, something that the Trojans from USC tried to do last year, and it bit them in the rear end as they lost that game. And, I mean, that was a game they had a lead in, but they still lost to Alabama, and we we didn't see much of them. I mean, Sam Darnold was good when he came in, and now we're talking about Darnold, but the Trojans didn't have the season we thought they would have. I was just going to mention, in that first game, it mm-hmm. wasn't Sam Darnold starting. It, it was, was Max Brown. It was Max Brown. So it was Max Brown there. DeAndre Francois will be the yeah. opening day starter mm-hmm. against Alabama. And he is going to be able to, I think, bring a a lot more than what Max Brown was able to bring against them last year. This Alabama defense is still good, uh, but we're going to have to see what the the Alabama offense is like. I'm hoping, Mm -hmm. you know, as an Alabama fan, uh, that it's going to be good. But uh, you're going to have to see, Florida State is going to have to see where they're at in that game one, because Alabama, most likely, you have to assume they're going to be coming out and they're going to be picking up where they left off last year. And a lot of Florida State fans are saying the same thing. Well, why aren't we going to be doing the same thing? We'd mm-hmm. be Michigan to end the season, and the, to end the entire season. And with that Orange Bowl win, why won't we just pick it up too? If they're able to score that many points, Alabama, I think, will probably be able to score about that many points. You're looking at a real good game week one, but... I think that that's going to be a really good test of where that defense is at in that week one matchup against Alabama. I think that that is going to be a great test. But you have so many games throughout this season. Again, you you, you are bookended in your season by two SEC teams. You started out against Alabama. You ended against Florida. Florida, great team. Very high on Florida. Mm-hmm. I think that... Well, now a Malik Zaire, possibly Malik Zaire-led Florida team. Which will be, be another thing coming in. Which will be interesting. I, 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 I am very, very curious to see how this Florida State defense has come from from last year. Because mm-hmm. you take down some of those points, you give up one or two less touchdowns per game in those games that I mentioned, where they gave up all those points. You're winning two or three of those games. Mm-hmm. And you're in a better spot than what you put yourself in last year. And you still had a pretty good season last year. 
but I, I am as well also interested to see how they're going to fill the shoes of Dalvin Cook. Now, do they have the guys to do it? They do. Mm-hmm. But no one is Dalvin Cook. You know, it's it, it's kind of like one of those. Can you be good? You can certainly be good. But you're not going to be Dalvin Cook. You're going to be hopefully a good version of who you are. But Dalvin Cook, Cook, Cook was his was his own guy and he was a beast. But I think that that's one of their questions coming into the season is how are they going to be able to replace him? Cam Akers, they're very high on him. Amir Rasul, they're very high on him as well. They think these two guys will be able to do that and carry the workload. And we'll be able to see that as the season progresses. Uh, But again, not having a guy with Cook who, you know, 1,000-yard seasons... It was like, you know, just coming into the office. Well, I mean, you mentioned Dallin Cook being gone. They're also losing their top receiver from last year in Travis Rudolph. Mm -hmm. So that means to me, the next thing I look at is junior wideout Naquan Murray. What kind are are you going to step up and be the star for DeAndre Francois? Because this team, and this is the first team of our previews that we're going to get to, that we can actually ask the question is this a college football playoff team? Because you, this team always has sky-high expectations. That's what their fans expect from this team. And, yeah, they were 10-3 and three last season, but there's a few people saying, yeah, well, it was a disappointing 10-3 and three season last year where there are people like myself who are fighting Illini fans going, I would kill for about half those wins. I'll take half of them if you don't want them, Florida State. I'll be happy with a 5-6 win season for my fighting Illini. But it's a program that their fans hold them to a high standard. And you mentioned the Florida game. Another thing I look at that, you say bookends with SEC opponents go just 14 days prior to that Florida game. They're playing Clemson. So they get Clemson. Two weeks later, boom, you've got Florida. And right in the middle of you've that, got they've got a State. cupcake game. They've got and I, I see State. what they were doing. but I, you know, I see exactly I, what I, they were doing. But I, I understand where they're coming from mm-hmm. on that one. They uh, didn't want to buy, but they wanted to buy. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, <laughs> of course they did. I, I think the, the final big question for me would be, mm-hmm. what is the next step for DeAndre Francois? College you know, football playoff. What what's what what's his next step? I mean, the guy's already been considered in in Heisman Trophy, mm-hmm. you know, a Heisman Trophy candidate, you know, last year, and he's already been seen as that. He's obviously a, a good quarterback, and you know, he he's done a really good job, I think, of being able to really take hold of that position and and do a solid job. And he and he has. He's done a very very nice job. Mm-hmm. I think that. You're right. If he cannot, in these next couple of seasons, if he is unable to get to the college football playoff, he'll be disappointed. You know, obviously other people will be disappointed, but he himself, that's a disappointment to him because I do believe that's his next leap. It's to the college football playoff. And now they they retooled a little bit on offense on their offensive line and uh, being able to give him adequate protection is going to be huge. Mm-hmm. And I think that they'll be able to do it. He was four and two last year against ranked teams, which is pretty good. And uh, again, we brought it up at the very top of the segment. Number one to start off the season, Alabama. And that is going to be a huge test and possibly the biggest test 
of the season. When you play Alabama number one, and then you have anyone else, you have all these other teams behind you, doesn't matter who they are, in my opinion, Alabama is the number one test because they're the number one defense. You know what DeAndre Francois has to look forward to? Since Jimbo Fisher took over in 2010, these have been the Florida State quarterbacks and the round and pick they were selected in. 2011 draft, Christian Ponder, 12th overall, first round. He did well for himself. He got Samantha Ponder. E.J. Manuel, 16th overall, first round pick. Jameis Winston, first overall, first duh, first round pick. That's the thing he's looking forward. Like, Jimbo Fisher, there is one thing that he's been able to do since taking over the head coaching job of the Florida State Seminoles. You play quarterback for my team, I'll get you drafted in the first round. That's what he's... Ponder, Manuel, Winston, all have been first-round talents. That's what he's got to be able to look forward to. However, how do you get there nowadays? Winston only had... He had a national championship before this system got put in place. Then you had Manuel and Ponder, who never got to play in this system that we're in now. He's got to make the playoff. And how do you make the playoff? I don't think that that Alabama game is a you lose it and you're not in the playoff. No. However, that Alabama game is going to be win or lose is going to be an important game for this team because if they win, it shows we just beat Alabama. You guys can beat anyone on this goddamn schedule. That's what I would say. If you lose, then it says now you know how far we are from the playoff because that's who will – if you want to win the national championship – that's who you're going to have to beat. That's what I would say is Jimbo Fisher. If you go and lose that game, you walk in and say, you want to be national champions? you got to work yourselves to get back to that level, to get to their level. Because if you don't beat Alabama, you ain't winning a national title. They went, they've went. they gone the last two. I know Clemson has gone too, but Alabama has gone the last two years. And if Florida State's going to dethrone Clemson, there's a good chance that either in the semis or in the championship, they'd run into Alabama. So if you can't beat Alabama, you ain't gonna don't don't start thinking we can win a national championship. We gotta work there, we gotta get there by the end of the season. I think that we have a real good team that we're talking about right now. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, this team has a real good chance to be able to make those those next steps. And I think it's really interesting that, Ricky, we saw uh, last year, you know, you talk about if you lose that first game to Alabama, you know, it's not it's not done, it's not over. No, it's not because we saw, you mm-hmm. know, with the committee last year, you could have one loss, you could have two losses, mm-hmm. uh, you know, <laughs> maybe even three. I, I think that you've got to be able to, if you're going to lose, though, Make sure it's a good one. Make, and make, make sure, sure it's, it's against someone like Alabama yep. and that it's close. I'd say even if they lose against Florida, if it's a close game, they could still maybe get him. I mean, they the thing that they'd have is they'd have to be in the ACC title game. But, I mean, kind of the last thing I want to do to end this preview before we move on to Louisville is kind of ask the question that a lot of people are going to expect us to ask for these next three teams in this one to end it. At the end of the at the end of the season, if you were to give a percentage, what's your percentage 
that Florida State is a college football playoff team at the end of the year. Not will they be, but your percentage. Is it a 50% chance, 40% chance, 90% chance? What is it that they are playing in the CFP? I'll give them a 70. I was going to go 75. And the reason why is because I think it's literally going to be, I think that they are going to upset Clemson, although it is in on the road in Death Valley, and that is a great environment to play in, especially with the whole, like, they bring the bus all the way around to the top. They let the yep. players run down yep. the mountain. It's going to be an atmosphere, and that game is going to be hyped on November 11th, just one day after our own Dave Oster's birthday. It's going to be his birthday weekend. How about is that? Is the game that they play Clemson, but I'm going to go 75% because the other team, I think, that's going to rival them for the Atlantic crown is who we're talking about next in the Louisville Cardinals. But before we get to them, Florida State fans, let us know what you guys think down below in the comment section about your team and about the Seminoles coming into 2017. Let us know down below in the comment section. But Brandon, we are going to move on and we're going to talk about the Louisville Cardinals. And this one's easy to start. This one is the easiest one to start. You got to start with the Heisman, the reigning Heisman winner from last year, Lamar Action Jackson, as we like to call him here on the Primetime Podcast. Or I don't know if you do. I do. I know I do. I love to call him Lamar Action Jackson. This is a guy who 3,500 yards, over 3,500 yards passing last season, 30 passing touchdowns, only nine INTs. Oh, and then on the ground, just just under 1,600 yards on the ground and 21 rushing touchdowns. Brandon, this one's going to be easy. This is a softball for you, a big meatball going right over the plate. Can Lamar Action Jackson duplicate or increase his numbers from a year ago, his Heisman winning numbers? No. No, he cannot. And the reason I say that is because— For a second, I thought you were just going to leave it like, no. No, come on. <laughs> I won't leave you hanging like that. So Lamar Jackson last year, and I mean as impressive as it was, it mm-hmm. was it was like it really was like you were playing a video game. It was on rookie. Mm-hmm. And he had over thirty five hundred yards through the air, thirty touchdowns, nine interceptions. On the ground, he had over fifteen hundred yards rushing and twenty one touchdowns, combining for fifty one total touchdowns. I don't I don't see how you can replicate that or do better than that. I, that itself is outlandish. I just don't, I'm not saying he's not going to be good and effective and be very productive, mm-hmm. but I just don't know if he'll be able to have that same stellar Cinderella season like he did last season. And 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 I even know that Bobby Petrino, he's changing things up a little bit. He's got a new coach for the offensive line to fill that hole a little bit, be a little bit better there. Forty-seven sacks last season. I, I and, and a lot of times that uh, you know, uh, Mister Action Jackson had to bail on mm-hmm. some plays when he didn't want to. I, so things could be better there. But even still, he can have a great season and not have the same numbers that he did last year. Let's put it this way. I will tell you exactly where Lamar Action Jackson needs to improve. He needs to be more efficient. He needs to, the one stat that I did not say because it's not that impressive to me, the last quarter. So you just weren't going to say well, it. it. 
you're not going to say it if it's not a good stat. This isn't impressive. Let me just leave it out. Well, when you're trying to hype him up as the reigning Heisman winner, you're not going to leave out. You're going to leave out the bad ones. But the when we talked about Ridley for NC State, I mentioned his completion percentage. And I said, you want to be around that 60%. Finley. Finley. Ryan Finley. You want to be around that 60%. That's the more important part. Lamar Action Jackson, 56.2. Not quite there. Not quite where you want him. You want to be at that 60. You want to be 60 or like 61, 62 in that ballpark. Also, he had some moments where, I mean, look at the Kentucky game, which they lost. Three interceptions in that game. You cannot have you cannot be the Heisman quarterback and have moments like those. Because there's a difference between then being the Heisman. You're getting the Heisman because of your numbers. I get that. But now if you're Lamar Action Jackson, you gotta be thinking to yourself, how do I get drafted? I get drafted by upping that completion percentage and eliminating my mistakes like three turnover games. Coaches in the NFL don't like seeing three turnovers in a single game. They just don't like it. Well, Ricky, I'll tell you what, and I'll ask you the question, is mm-hmm. the, the thing that I think really, and, and most people are going to say this too, everyone should, the thing that hurt the most, and they went from being in the college football playoff mm-hmm. on Saturday, November 12th, mm-hmm. to being out of it two weeks later on November 26th, because they had lost down the stretch Two games. One of those games that they needed to win. One of them. They lost Kentucky, to Houston and Kentucky. Kentucky would have been awesome to beat them because mm-hmm. Kentucky's not that good. Mm-hmm. But Houston, I could understand because Houston was solid last year. You lose to them, but you keep it close. It wasn't anywhere near close, 36-10. There was no offense in that game. Then you even look in the in the Citrus Bowl against LSU. There was no offense in that game. You only get nine points. Down the stretch, Jackson struggled. He was non-existent, even obviously he's the quarterback. But you even he was, forgot, he was, he was you non-existent. The, you forgot the Virginia game as well, How, Halloween weekend, where uh, they almost lost to Virginia. <sighs> If it that wasn't was for if it that wasn't was for bad. his heroics to throw that ball to the receiver in the side like pylon of the end zone, they would have lost that game. We didn't. I was. I remember watching that game mm-hmm. with my friends, and that was that was in, incredible for him to be able to make that comeback in such a bad game for him and still be able to win, but. They even with that, it was still a win, still counted as a win. It wasn't good for his numbers. Mm-hmm. Counts as a win, though. That's all that matters. You're still on your way to the college football playoff at that time. Yep. And then boom, you just stink down the stretch. Now, Lamar Action Jackson, Ricky, this year, is he going to be able to the big thing is, is not is he going to be able to repeat the numbers that he had from I last year? I don't think year, we see but the numbers. Is, is, but is he going to be able to be solid and get the wins down the stretch yes. when he needs to? Yes. Because he couldn't last year, and, and he was the Heisman winner. The reason, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use a comparison from the NBA, and I'm going to compare this to the Golden State Warriors. Where, think about it this way, last year and all the numbers and the video game this, video game that, look at all these numbers, numbers, numbers. That is exactly like the Warriors, not this past season, but the season before. 
breaking the record, 73 wins, yada, yada, yada. Didn't matter. They didn't win the title. Well, with Louisville, it's going to be, I think that Lamar is going to come in this year going, you know what? It don't, nobody gives a rat's ass how many touchdowns I have. I have over 50 combined touchdowns. Doesn't matter. Didn't make the college football playoff. And that's why I think this year, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a, not a tamer, like it's not going to be like, well, you know what? Don't be Lamar Action Jackson. We're not going to see him just going for the numbers. We're going to see a Lamar Jackson where, yeah, that explosiveness, that athleticism is there, but wow, he's more efficient this year. He is better this year. The completion percentage is up. He's not throwing three interceptions in a game to Kentucky anymore because I think what, and the coaching staff should have already said this to him and kind of got him thinking is it doesn't matter how many yards, how many touchdowns you have. If your team doesn't, if you're a team like Louisville and you don't make the college football playoff, then winning the Heisman and everything doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's the same thing like the Warriors. The record didn't matter because they didn't get the ring. And that's what I think we're going to see this year. Like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see as video game-like numbers from Lamar Jackson because the one thing you got to remember is this is not a video game. You couldn't be throwing three interceptions to Kentucky in that game and go, whoops, the plug got unplugged. I guess I'll come back and play it tomorrow. You can't do that in real life. And I look at their schedule for this year, and they got two games right off the bat that are going to be tough. Uh, Purdue, that's a win. I don't think Purdue whoa, gives them. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Purdue's got a new coach, man. I, How I, are you saying they're not going to be competitive? I, I don't think Purdue stands a chance. However, I know that they don't have the Trubisket anymore, but North Carolina at home could give them a run for their money. And then you get Clemson. week Third game of the season. Boom, there you go, Clemson. And I know Clemson, I'm kind of lower on them because of their quarterback situation, but this could be good for Louisville. Because like you said, oh, down the stretch they didn't play well. Well, down the stretch this year, you've got Virginia, Syracuse, Wake Forest, and Kentucky. But but even more of a reason why if they yeah. don't play well down the stretch, mm-hmm. don't I mean don't act like they had some big games down the stretch last well, year. I mean they the had, Houston game was big. Houston was a good team. Houston was a good team. Yeah. But then they had. But, but, I'm not. But, but I'm they, not giving any excuses they for were, Kentucky. I'm saying this though. But they were in Clemson. Yeah. Houston was good, but they weren't Clemson. Well, Houston, that, oh, come on now. Houston was good, but they weren't Florida State. If you lose to Virginia, Syracuse, or Kentucky, any one of those teams get out. Well, and Get I mean, out. I'm not going to say that the, oh, well, Houston wasn't Clemson. Houston wasn't Florida State. Because no, you don't need to say he, that because well, I did. No, well, no, no, because Houston was a team that I would say is on this, was on the same level of, I thought they would be. A, when we were doing our predictions throughout the season and our rankings, I had Houston as a college playoff team a couple weeks that year. Like, the only thing that made that loss surprising was Houston had been knocked out of the race just a week or two before Houston had lost a week or two before. And it was like, well, Houston's not in the running anymore because they lost. Whereas then they beat Louisville and it's like, well, now Louisville's out of the running kind of, Oh, can they get it back with Kentucky win? And then they lost. I think this year, Lamar Jackson 
is going to have a more efficient season and it's going to be we're going to see a Lamar Jackson where it's going to be like the numbers don't matter what matters is getting the W for my team I want to flip it though we've talked about the offense at nauseum the one thing I want to mention on the defensive side which is going to be a big key is how is Petrino going to do this season defensively when this is the first year that all those talented recruits that were brought in by Charlie Strong on the defensive side, they're all sayonara, see you later, they're gone. They're all gone. So now it's one of those things where if the defense lacks, now we're looking at it where it's like, huh, maybe it wasn't Petrino. It was just those talented recruits that Charlie Strong brought in. So defensively, that's something I'm looking at, is how are you going to overcome those talented recruits that Charlie Strong had had before he had left for Texas. I, I think that you know they've they've got a uh, a a new guy coming in now, um, Peter Sermon, mm-hmm. and he's coming in now to coach the defense after Todd Grantham leaves for Mississippi State, and the hope there is that he's going to be able to bring a lot of different fronts, a lot of different schemes, um, 3 4, four three, mm-hmm. be able to do some things like that. And maybe with that, uh, that will be able to help um, on the defensive side of things. And, and, and honestly, you know, when you take a look at the defensive side of things for Louisville, they, there, there really wasn't anything where you looked at them and you went, man, they're just absolutely awful. Mm-hmm. The only time that I looked at them and said, mm, was towards the end of the season when they mm-hmm. gave up the 36, the 41, and the 29 in their last three games that they played. That was really the time when I looked at them and went, ooh, that ain't good. Because before that, the most points that they had given up was 42. That was in the loss to Clemson. Overall, the defense was not bad. It really was not. But... You know, you bring in a new defensive co- defensive coordinator, defensive guy, and you're always interested to kind of see what the results will be. Well, and yeah, and I mean, new coordinator on top of, like I said, you're losing some talented guys from that defense last year. I just wanted to give the defense some sort of love because this, and a Louisville preview is for this year, you knew it was going to be a heavy dose of just an injection of Lamar Action Jackson right to the arm, right to the bloodstream. But kind of to end this out with Louisville, we mentioned the Clemson. We're going to talk about them next. Me and you kind of don't seem that high on them. It's Florida State and it's Louisville. I'm going to ask you this. Do you visualize in your head, can you close your eyes and see Louisville playing, I'm just going to say playing in the ACC title game, with a chance to make the college football playoff with a win. Can you close your eyes and see that for the end of the season? Um, okay, so here is exactly how I see it, and I'll give it to you very plain and simple. Okay. If Louisville beats Clemson, and if they bleep, beat Florida State. <laughs> if they bleep. If they bleed them. <laughs> if, they bleed, if they beat Clemson and beat Florida State, mm-hmm. they're in the college football playoff, plain and simple. They don't have to. Nothing special about the NC State or the North Carolina game. No, it just comes down to no. Clemson. Just comes if they down to beat Florida Clemson State. and they beat Florida State. They're in. 
And that's why I think that October 21st game is going to be the most important game because I would right now give Louisville the edge over Clemson in a matchup. And Florida State, that game is in Tallahassee. Francois is going to be coming coming out with a vengeance. Kind of, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that game is the, like, oh, you think you're the best quarterback? The Mr. Reigning Heisman? Well, let me show you something from DeAndre Francois. I can't wait. That game is circled on my calendar, and I am definitely going to be watching that one when it comes. Probably I'll be in primetime. They'll probably have that one. College game day will probably be there in Tallahassee because there's a chance that both these teams could be undefeated coming into that game. But, Brandon, before we move on to Clemson, any last thoughts, anything you think that we didn't mention when it comes to the Cardinales of Louisville. And I think we're good. Well, and this is where Cardinal fans let us know. I know Trevor's going to let us know. Trevor, our uh, resident Louisville fan, is going to let us know down below. In the comment section, what do you guys think? Are you guys excited for this year? Do you think you're going to win the ACC and go to the college football playoff in 2017? Let us know down below in the comment section. And Brandon, it is time to now end the podcast. We started from the bottom. Now we here talking about the defending national champions, the Clemson Tigers. And this one's easy. We got to start with offense in this one because there is one big loss that this team has, but not just that. There's a few that this offense has. Gone is Deshaun Watson, the Heisman Trophy runner-up. Gone is Wayne Gallman. One of their leading rusher from last year, and three of their top four pass catchers, including Mike Williams, who is now playing in L.A. for the Chargers. And there's a lot of holes on this offense, but none bigger than Deshaun Watson, the guy who many thought best quarterback in the draft, many thought should have been the Heisman last season over a Lamar Action Jackson And we have talked about this before in the past, just after their spring game. Right now, it looks like it is a three-dog race between junior Kelly Bryant, redshirt freshman Zarek Cooper, and then five-star true freshman Hunter Johnson. They spent the spring kind of battling it out. All three are mobile passers. I'm going to start this preview asking you a simple question. Which one gives them which which quarterback, Bryant Cooper Johnson, gives this team the best chance of winning the ACC Atlantic? You know, it it, it was a tough question when we talked about this uh, weeks ago. Mm-hmm. It's still a tough question because if you take a look at the passing from this past year. And you look at it and you go, well, which out of any of those guys that we just mentioned played, it would be Mm -hmm. Kelly Bryant. And what did he go? Oh, a dazzling six of nine yeah, for 48 yards and a touchdown. And that's throughout an entire season. You know, obviously, thank goodness they didn't need him because that would have meant an injury to Deshaun Watson. Mm -hmm. But again, I don't think that you can say with full confidence it's going to be one of those three guys. The one thing that they lack with all of them is the experience. That's the one thing that they lack with all of them, the true experience. You know, Brian's been around, yes, but how much experience does he really have? I mean, a little bit by being out there, being a backup and stuff like that, but he doesn't have, you know, even even a, a Nick Schusler, you know, would have been, mm-hmm. you know, 
somebody who had a little bit more experience. Yeah. But there's not a guy there that I think that you can say pinpoint and go absolutely him without a doubt. He's going to be the opening day starter, and he's going to stay there throughout the entire season. I, I Dabo does not have that, and nor would he, would he be saying that, especially at this point. I, I think that there's probably going to be some sort of I could see a some some sort of a quarterback committee. I real I could see that. Um, do you think that would work? I'm not really. Do I a, think it would work? I'm, I'm, I'm not. So, a, I'm, I'm not a I, fan of the quarterback committee. I'm personally not even sold on the fact that it would be a committee. I could see it. I don't know if that would happen, and I'm mm-hmm. certainly not sold on the fact of a committee working. Yeah, but you know, it's 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 really kind of tough right now because again you you haven't seen a whole lot of these guys and that's mm-hmm. what they lack is they lack that experience well and right now obviously bryant is the favorite but the thing that i think surprises me is looking at athlon sports in their preview they say and i quote it wouldn't be a surprise to see the strong accurate johnson push to replace him him being bryant and the thing is i look at that and i wonder huh what if Dabo decides to go in that direction? Obviously, Hunter Johnson being the early enrollee, the true freshman, would have to show strides, would have to prove that he is capable of winning the starting job. But if he is, wouldn't it be interesting if Dabo goes, hey, you know what? I know the other two have experience or experience in Cooper's case because he's a redshirt freshman. He's only got one year of practices on top of Johnson. But if he said, hey, let's stronger arm, more accurate. Let's go with this kid. Let's see what he's got over a Kelly Bryant. I think that would be interesting. And the reason why the quarterback position is what I wanted to focus on first is because this team, this Clemson team, defending national champions, they're not starting off easy. The first game they are. I mean, Kent State's a cupcake team for them, especially at home. However, their next two games home against Auburn at Louisville. Those are two top opponents. And those two games, if you don't have your quarterback position solidified by them, Auburn will eat you up. And Louisville will probably beat you and be like, well, you ain't winning the Atlantic this year. So to me, they got to have this quarterback situation set by week one so that week one quarterback can use week one as a preseason game, because let's be honest, nobody sees Kent State getting the win over the Tigers before they play Auburn in a Tiger-Tiger matchup in Death Valley. You know, Ricky, the the more and more that I, I look at uh, where this Clemson team is right now, mm-hmm. the more and more I go, man, they are going to miss these guys. Mm-hmm. It's not just Watson. It's, it's Gallman, not it's just Gallman. Williams, it's not it's, just Williams. It's everybody. And that's on the offensive side. Mm-hmm. And and that's just a couple of the guys on the offensive side. But those are the big three. And I think they're going to miss them a little bit more than they think or even hope. Um, and, and because of that, I could see Clemson ended up Number one overall when you look at overall record in the Atlantic. Uh, Louisville and Clemson both ended with the same mm-hmm. conference record, but of course different overall records uh, with Louisville 9-4 well, and, four and, and Clemson, Clemson 14-1. and one. And Clemson got the tiebreaker by beating Louisville. Yes. Um, and then you have Florida State 5-3 and three in conference, 10-3 mm-hmm. and three overall. I could see Clemson and Florida State switching spots mm-hmm. for this next year. And just keeping Louisville right there... 
in the middle? Possibly. Stuck in the middle with you. Uh, possibly. I, you know, I, I could see. I just. I, there's no way in my mind that mm-hmm. Clemson has another 14 and one season. I, I, I don't even know if they. I don't even know if they're able to escape the season with with just one loss in the conference. And and I say that, and I'm not trying to say that I don't have the confidence in mm-hmm. any of the quarterbacks, but when you have a guy like Deshaun Watson, and then you lose a guy like Deshaun Watson, and you don't have a, a solid guy that's going to come up next and be the next guy, mm-hmm. and you have this kind of, you know, it's almost like, a, you know, the barrel of monkeys. You, you go in, you pick one out, and you're just like, uh, that'll work. You know, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just, which one are you going for? That's kind of how it ends up being, I think, in this situation. And they all have probably very good things to bring to the table. But with the possible not knowing what that's going to be and mm-hmm. how consistent they'll be and and how they'll transition into that starting role if they're given it. Mm-hmm. I I don't have that full confidence yet. Well, and to me, this season comes down to four games. Four games will make or break this Clemson season. It is September 9th against Auburn, September 16th at Louisville. Then we've got the September 30th game at Virginia Tech, three of them all in the month of September, and then November 11th home against Florida State. Those four games will make this season. And you notice how I'm throwing Virginia Tech in there. Because they're a team we're going to get to next week. However, they are a team that, let's be honest, they're one that they were at the top of the other division. They are no slouch. The rest of the teams, I'm sorry, Boston College, Wake Forest, Syracuse, Georgia Tech, NC State will be interesting. Upset alert there. But then the Citadel and South Carolina, I think that, any of the quarterback that they put in can get wins in those games. Not maybe not blowout fashion, but can get wins at least ten point victories in those games. It's those other four: Auburn, Louisville, Virginia Tech, and Florida State that it comes down to. And really, right now, because of the question, I'm just looking at quarterback. You can throw the running back, the wide receiver, all the offensive weapons that they have lost on top of it. Another guy we had not mentioned that they lost was on the defensive side. They lose Ben Bulware, who's really been their emotional leader on that defensive side. He's no longer there now. I think that all these losses, I see them one in four in those four games. I know that two of them are at home. I know that Florida State's at home. I know that Auburn's at home. But the only one that I see them winning is maybe Virginia Tech. Louisville and Florida State, I've got them ahead of Clemson coming into this season. Auburn, I've got Auburn coming into Clemson and getting the W because of how early it is in the season. I'm not solidified that either Bryant, Cooper, or Johnson— can get their bearings in the spring and in that Kent State game to get ready to play Auburn week two. I just I just don't see it. And the only thing that is going to help this team and all the offenses, like offensive weapons that they lost, 
is if this defense can do exactly what it did last year and become a top 10 scoring defense and yield only 18 points per game and 311 yards per game. If that defense can keep that up, then okay, that gives the offense a fighter's chance, a puncher's chance, as they would say in the boxing world. But if the defense can't do that and they give up a little bit of ground, this defense is going to be led by Christian or Christian Wilkins. I almost said Watkins, but Wilkins, who's going to be the main guy we hear about all season because he's going to be a top pick in the draft if he plays well. If this defense can't play like they have been, then the offense ain't going to have a chance to be able to overcome those top opponents that Clemson has on the schedule. Clemson was ranked number 12 last year in total offense. Mm -hmm. How far do they fall this year? (sighs) You're saying at the end, like the ranking at the end of the season or the ranking at the beginning of the season? End of the season. Okay. Updated January 31st. Mm -hmm. 12. They were at 12. Overall, total offense. Mm Mm-hmm. They scored 75 offensive touchdowns. I'm going to say this year I wouldn't be surprised if they fall out of the top 20. Maybe top 15 for sure, but maybe out of the top 20. I mean, I really need to be shown something by maybe it's because I don't know anything about these quarterbacks coming in. And it's a big mystery. Maybe one of them surprises. Maybe one doesn't. But right now I feel like Clemson is in a very different spot than it was last year. Last year it was, you know what, we just lost the championship game. Don't worry, we're bringing back a ton of talent. We're going we're gonna to come back and we're going to come back with a vengeance. And they did. They obviously won the national championship in a rematch against Alabama. But this year is completely different. A ton of losses across the board, and with most of them being on offense, that number might go down for how many points they score in a game. Like you said, top 12 in total offense. I wouldn't be surprised if they do fall out of the top 15 or even the top 20 by the end of next season. It's just going to be this defense will have to carry the team while the offense figures it out. I'm going to go ahead and say that I think at the end of the year that Clemson finishes third in the Atlantic. I'm I'm with you, Brandon. Maybe you convinced me this podcast, but right now if I had to say it and we're sitting here June 15th before the season, I would go Louisville's my pick to win, Florida State second, one game behind because Louisville beat them and owns the tiebreaker or even tied, but Louisville owns the tiebreaker. And then Clemson lost to both Louisville and Florida State and are in third. Because right now, I think those four games that I mentioned, Auburn, Louisville, Virginia Tech, and Florida State, I see one and four. When I close my eyes, I visualize one and four. That's what I visualize with this team. And I need to be shown something quarterback-wise, more importantly, to sway that. I think that, you know, you... (sighs) You're generous when you say that they could fall out of the top twenty. I think you think because, they're gonna fall further. Well, because take take a just I mean, take time to take take time to think about 
where you're at. You had 41 mm-hmm. touchdowns through the air last year with Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. 17 interceptions. Kind of high in the interceptions. Mm-hmm. But he scored a lot. These guys, yeah, so it doesn't yeah. look as bad. Mm-hmm. These guys, I highly doubt, are going to be anywhere near 41 touchdowns. Yep. How many interceptions are they throwing? Are they on the same page as, as, ah, as their receivers? Exactly. I mean, how many turnovers, how many more turnovers mm-hmm. is this team going to have this next year? Mm-hmm. I mean, if they're not winning the turnover, if they're losing the turnover battle in these games, they're really going to be in a tough spot, especially against the Louisvilles, against, <clears throat> excuse me, the Florida States. The Virginia Techs, they'll make you pay. You know, I, I, I don't... I guess I just don't, and I'm not, again, I'm with you. I'm not trying to say that these quarterbacks are some trash that's coming mm-hmm. in here and they're just, eh, well, you're all we got. It's not true because they have plenty of guys to pick from to make sure they have the one that they feel most comfortable with. But what if that guy comes in and he throws 15 interceptions mm-hmm. and only has 18 touchdowns? Bad ratio. Not a good ratio at all. Watson made up for his 17 touchdowns because uh, 17 interceptions because he had 41 touchdowns through the air. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing that I look at with with Clemson. This is a different Clemson team, and I think Clemson fans will tell you that. And they may be able to shed a little bit more light on the quarterback situation than we are mm-hmm. down in the comment section. And you know, if there's one that you're saying, hey, as a Clemson fan, you you would rather have. One of them, love to see that. Because like you said, we're not sure. We're I don't not know sure. who I would I, pick. I, I, I don't know who I would pick. I don't know. How do you replace Gallman? You know, you're, you're, mm-hmm. I, I, I definitely see a running back by committee there. You know, and then and then Williams too. Williams too. Williams is gone. Uh, Leggett is gone. Uh, you, you, those were two of the main guys. The like pillars. One of the big guys mm-hmm. in that championship game. Yep. So, you know, I, I think that this is definitely going to be a different Clemson field team. It's not going to be the same Clemson team we've been seeing. Good thing for the offense, though. We've talked about offensive line each and every preview. They're going to be the one to anchor it down. They got four of the five starters returning. So, and just like Brandon said, I'm going to turn it on to you guys. Let us know. The big question for Clemson fans is, who would you want to start? Cooper, Bryant, Johnson, let us know. Down below in the comment section, also let us know what you guys think of your team coming into the season. Because like I said, I'm not high on them. I'm more high on Louisville and Florida State coming into this season. But that's going to do it for our Atlantic preview for the ACC, if you're on YouTube, like I said, let us know down below what you think. If you're on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, or Stitcher, thank you for sticking around for the entire preview. Go ahead, hit that like and subscribe button. You can follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod. Also, check out patreon.com backslash Most Valuable Podcast in a way to support the channel more so than hitting that like and that subscribe button and that follow button on Blog Talk Radio. But I want to thank you guys for either watching on YouTube or listening to us on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, or Stitcher. And as always, have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.